Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing crickets at the grade level. Boys! Get a few today, did you? To be honest with you, I um, hate grade cricket. <laughs> uh, I went into to play for a team called... Um, the Obviously, sharing's always a big issue, a big issue for, for young kids coming into a senior cricket team. Taking like a whip, please. Um, a bit of advice. Yeah. I refer to the great cricketer here and I'll say, this will do a little bit early. <laughs> As you can't say that the people don't get value. What a show we've got today. What a show. What a historic win for Australia in Lahore over there in Pakistan. We're talking the Women's World Cup down to the Final Four. West Indies in England. Joe Root, is it over? Will England ever win another game again? The IPL is happening at the same time. Brett Lee is on the show, as is Mitchell Swepson. That's before we get into hashtag AskTJC. Pez, episode 192 of the Great Cricketer Podcast is presented by Custom Swimwear by Budgie Smuggler, all made in Australia. Your name is Sam Perry. You're telling me things that I already know and vice versa because my name is Ian Higgins. Pez, welcome. Welcome to this week. They get value. Are you excited for the show? I'm excited for the show. It's a good one this week. This this week will be good. This this week will this week will be good. Um, kind of just the way you emphasise this sort of infers this. that other weeks haven't haven't been good. And yeah, you no, know, according to it's sort of hit and miss for me. Yeah, well, iTunes reviews would sort of would, would dictate that. Know. <laughs> if you want to flick us yeah. one, hey, uh, yeah, mate, it's been a good week. I was, I was pretty pumped with the with the victory in Asia. There was some dog shit cricket. Mm. Over that time, let's be clear. And by dog shit, that is, it did, it was mundane. But for the purest, it was hot. It was hot shit. Uh, and and now that Australia has emerged victors, we can look at the rest of the cricket before that preceded it in context. You know, now that like Cummins and Lyon and all the guys delivered on the final day, everything that led up to that was actually just, uh, you know, was yeah. a precursor. It was a, right. a great middle distance runner, just pacing themselves. It was Jebra mm-hmm. stuff, pacing themselves yeah. only to overtake at the end. Just, yeah, it's funny how you can kind of retrofit those things. But seriously, great win. Uh, Andrew McDonald straight away, serious win overseas. We don't do it, mate. We, don't, we just don't win over there. Uh, and, and we yeah. did, and it felt different. It felt weird. I don't trust it. Everyone was nice. The spirit was good. Uh, There was intelligence in the captaincy. Everyone was level. I really don't trust it. Something's going on. But I like the number one against the number zero. Um, We we did 15 dailies 
uh, on YouTube, and the audio for that is on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash great cricketer. We're also covering the IPL in depth as we did last year as well. So if you want to get the audio for that, it's patreon.com forward slash great cricket. There's so much cricket coming up this year's obviously World Cups. There's uh, the, the England summer is going to be pretty interesting, I reckon, <laughs> <laughs> with what's doing over there. Uh, so you can find us there if you want to uh, join the little community we've got there. And of course, 84 episodes of Hashtag Us to just see Fridays. The next one coming out, you guessed it, on Friday. Um, so, mate, you're so right, though, in the in the sense of like because of because of day fifteen of that one test match that was played, where Australia just went through Pakistan, and there was just some really good performances, in like most notably from Nathan Lyon, who got player of the match with his bag. Um, and, and so it's just like oh, all of this makes sense now. They really grounded out, and look, they did grind it out. Um, <laughs> I think it did give rise to some opportunity where, like, well. If you if you really understand the game, you actually would have really enjoyed that uh, enjoyed that cricket. I just felt like I was watching my career. Um, that was just just slow, painful, uh, not really much happening. A lot of regrets, uh, a lot of lost time, uh, relationships falling apart. Uh, you know because of the cricket. Um, but you know, I guess uh, hey, line Baldwell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it was a bit. It was a bit like that. And there's heaps of other formats out there now that. You know, I mean, I said like there, there was an sure. IPL doubleheader last night, which means that it's an early start on Sunday for us. My wife got home from a thirteen-hour shift. She sat next to me and she lasted like two or three overs watching it, which is incredible. And that is like she was talking to me while having a chai tea. But I did say to her like, mm. "Is this better to watch just blokes just bombing things everywhere?" She's like, "What does bombing mean?" Uh, but but that aside, <laughs> she said, "Yeah, it is better. There are there are different ways to enjoy cricket, and that was some that was some." Tough grinding stuff over there in Asia, but in yeah. a, in a historical context, it was huge uh, because we we don't win those things usually for like you know mentality and tactical reasons, and both of those were just really well looked after. I think it's mm. you know there's a lot of false dawns in Australian cricket. You've you've used that term almost team a lot, and I think it's I think it's bang on. Uh, th- this does this does feel like there's reasons to be optimistic. They are ranked number one in the world. Rankings don't mean shit, but they're they're just in a really solid position, mate. Like they they've got the cattle, they've got some depth in the batting. Couple of guys stepped up, like Kerry and Green saved Australia on a few occasions. The bowlers yeah. did it differently. You know they won without going through the chest because you couldn't. It was reverse yeah. stuff in the air, some dry stuff for a while. And Nathan Lyon came good at the final hour, uh, which which was great for him. They managed to blood a leg spinner. He missed out once or twice. He had some bad luck, but that's a great one as well. All with a new coach. I think, I think it's 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 Tick City. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is just um, because there's a swamp nearby. It's actually quite. <laughs> that's right. Um, you do not want to go. It's just ticks and like le- le- leeches there and stuff. Them's <laughs> a jack leech. Fuck and hell. Come on, come on. Hey, come on. Um, <laughs> um mate. Uh, and Swepson get yes. Yeah, Swepson gets blooded. And I thought he actually played okay, and and that was and I put that in the context. Now look, he bowled lots of overs and didn't look like getting a wicket a lot of the time. But I think he actually played. I think he bowled quite nicely. And I had I had the same thought when I was thinking about Lyon as well because Lyon bowled long spells in the first in the first seven innings of the game, um, where he didn't look like getting wickets. But I thought he bowled nicely. It's, it's so hard to judge on the the docile nature of the wickets that. You know, Pakistan never really got ahead at any point in the series. I mean, they, they Pakistan played well in the first test, sure, um, but uh, but but 
how well everyone sort of contributed is so satisfying, especially in Asia. We haven't seen it in years, obviously, because Australia don't tour. Um, but you put that in context as well. I think even like, even though we've just had an Ashes, Australia and England are always sort of comparing notes. And like, you just look what's happening with England. I mean, they're fucking, they're heading into like some bad 90s days stuff, like how bad their team is at the moment. Um, and look, look, India India is the challenge for Australia. I mean, there would be a Sri Lankan tour next, which got announced during the week. They're playing. It's like, I think the test matches start at the end of June. There's some white ball stuff before them. So that is the next literal test and tests for this team. So they'll, 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 they'll want to win that as well. But then India is like the big marker. So, um, but in terms of like who contributed in this, in this series, it's really only Travis Head, I think, who didn't get a 50 with the bat or didn't really contribute um, in the game. But, you know, he, he was also just played the tournament in the last series before then. So it's like, in terms of how well-rounded the group is, mm. and they've won the game, they've won these games without Hazelwood, um, without Scott Boland. Um, there's some good depth there. Uh, Joe Richardson's obviously in there as well. He's good. Um, and I mean, I keep thinking about, so, so, so we should be about Kwaja, who's just had a wonderful series, right? Like all the stats, like really big numbers next to some little numbers in terms of games and like heaps of big numbers in terms of runs, like an average. Mm-hmm. And then you get compared to like, I now understand how Mark Taylor scored all those runs because those wickets are pretty flat um, <laughs> that time when he got 334 and actually respected Bradman um, by declaring. Um, but like, I was thinking about Warner and I feel like Warner has been like um, criticised since he's come back into the team. Like, and I include the 2019 World Cup when he scored 300s and I think only Rohit Sharma got one, he got one more run in the tournament. And then I'm looking at this and I was like, oh, I think he's going to struggle in Australia when like, cause, because I think Mark Wood kind of scared him and Mark Wood scares me as well, just the pace that he's buying, bouncy decks. He's got Rabada, Nokia coming out here in Australia. It's like, oh, I reckon he might struggle because his eyes have gone. But he's had a really good series here as well. A couple of 50s. He had a chance to get 200s in the series. He should have had 300s in the Ashes. Um, so he's good as well. So this, so now my point being, this team looks pretty good. Am, hey. I, am, I, am I supposed to be happy? Am I happy now? Is this makes me happy. Is that what I'm looking at? I think you make a good observation about Warner there. Like that, That's a guy that regularly like may feel to people as though like like he's underperformed. Mate, Warner's one of the greats. Like Warner truly yeah. is one of the greats. Statistic- 24 test hundreds. Mate, he's, he's <laughs> got so many blokes covered, statistically yeah. speaking. And that's just that's just test cricket. He's, he's mm. sort of a native white ball player as well. Right. Uh, it, he's a it, – the going is good with him in the side at the moment. And he's still – you know, it's probably a compliment to him that we feel like he didn't really get going, even though he did yeah. make some pretty – handy contributions, particularly in the second innings there of that final test, getting Australia away. So, yeah, they're, they're looking like a pretty rounded side pretty quickly. They're, they're looking like they're, they're more than the sum of their parts. Uh, you know, they should beat Sri Lanka and, mm. that you know, India's, India's the summit and then and then England next year as well. That England will be hard, yeah. you know, and that's it. people will scoff at that, but it's yeah. just their conditions. They're just hard. They know how to hoop it around and uh, and – I don't think Australia can bank on Smith being like Bradman Deluxe again over there. So yeah. that'll be there's some great tests coming up. It's exciting stuff for the Australian team. Um, we should talk about Pakistan because I was actually I, I was disappointed in Pakistan. In I don't I don't know how important it was for them to not lose this series, you know. But I I got the sense like it was very important. I feel like they just I thought they were very intimidated by Australia. Uh, that that's I I think they. They didn't believe that they could beat Australia. Yeah, they respected I, us I, too think, much, didn't they? Yeah, I, yeah, because I was especially in the second test where they were chasing eight thousand or whatever, and they got pretty close. And they they could have had a crack, but they didn't. 
And then they kind of got blown away a little bit in the last test match. Um, though Australia never really escaped, you know, even that going to the last day, they were, what, none for 80 or something, chasing 350, and it was like, we'll have a look at this. But I just felt like um, they were just a little bit intimidated by Australia. They didn't really believe that they could beat the team. But they've got, they've got individually, they've got very good players, very good sticks. You look at the averages of their, like, top six, and they're all in the 40s. Um, I think except for Imam, who, who obviously batted superbly throughout the series. Bubba Zahm's obviously a good player. Um, Ali batting three, averages like 45. Rizwan's a good stick. Um, I thought their spinners were... I, I thought the spin was shit, to be honest. But, mm. they, but their pace attack is fucking awesome. It's a good mm. team. And I thought that they, if they had more belief... This is an external view. I did think that they... They could have beaten Australia. Yeah, and maybe should have done. I probably go the other way. I, like I, I, I still was impressed by them. I thought they took it to Australia big time. Uh, I, I mean, when you say, when you say, thought they might be a bit better, that's probably a bigger compliment because you, you expect them to be good because it's Pakistan. But uh, mm. yeah, like I, I was still impressed by heaps of their players. And like we've we've joked about, uh, you know, Barbara's arm being the hipster's choice, you know, for a big boy. Mm. But like, I, you know, got to see him because you're an Australian. You only really trust it once you see it with your own eyes against our, your own team. <laughs> Uh, right. You know, I trust it with Barbara Zahm. You can tell he's 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 world class, uh, and and it's three format stuff. It's it's good gear. I'm still I'm still not fully trusting it because you've got to stick with the bit and kind of toxic masculinity stubbornness kind of dictates that. Uh, but Barbara was good. Muhammad Rizwan loved being able to watch him play. Great character. Love love what he brings as a keeper. Uh, so yeah, you know, and, and they got, you know, the opener and Imam who looks like he'd really want to knock his head off, uh, just cause he's got glasses and that's also toxic, uh, but great player. Mate, what about, what about Shafiq, you know, o- opening stick? He's, he's, what has he played? Like five games yeah. or something? Just fifties galore, a couple hundreds. Uh, so they got, a, they, they got a young team and hopefully they can play yeah. more test cricket at home. I think. It was really clear how great the spirit was between both sides. It was very strange seeing that as an Aussie fan, but that was awesome. You could tell it was Again, a historic don't series. It. Don't trust it at all, of course. Uh, I'm sure a lot of older blokes wouldn't have been trusting it, just absolutely <laughs> sweating on Pakistan winning <laughs> on that last day. But, uh, yeah, yeah, like, you know, the, like even just with the fans, obviously it was too hot to sit in the sun there, but, like, so many, so many, like so many signs out there of like love for Australian players, and like a lot of Pakistani yeah. commentators saying that it was a huge thing for Australia to be there for kids. You know, like that. That's that's pretty fucking cool as well. Like it, it seemed like a historic. I don't think that was overblown or overdone. You know, sometimes some of that commentary can get a bit saccharine. You know, like sickly sweet. Let's let's really talk up how good Test cricket is. But they hadn't been there for twenty four years. Finally, they're playing yeah. there. It's at you know Gaddafi Stadium. Uh, just, you know, just a Libyan guy, did he sell them nuclear weapons? And so, I don't know, you know, like it just, yeah. it just feels yeah. like you're going into like somewhere really foreign and everyone yeah. was just lovely and welcoming. Uh, and, yeah. and the teams embraced it. it was just, I thought all of that stuff was good gear. It's just nothing through the chest. So <laughs> that's all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just a lot of it was a tough watch. Yeah. Um, so the white ball series starts now. They've got three ODIs and... A singular T20, that feels the most bizarre one to me because the T20 World Cup is this year. Um, but a couple of three ODIs, something to look forward to, I guess. Uh, <laughs> oh, know, yeah, some, mate. It'll be good. See, hanging out yeah, for those well, ones. Yeah, the old bilateral uh, ODI series. Um, yeah. No, nah, if, if you're actually sort of a purist, you actually really get into those bilateral ODI series. So just, just be careful <laughs> with that stuff, mate. No way. 
Um, mate, I'll tell you what, ha- mate, I'll tell you what has been really good cricket. This Women's World Cup has been the business. It's been, and, and look, it helps a lot when the team that you support is one of the greatest ever professional sporting outfits in the history of any sport. Um, they, they win almost every game. So that does help as a viewer of the sport. Um, but like Australia remain undefeated in the, in the tournament. Um, they now they're going to play against the West Indies in the semifinals. And this has been the big talking, well, the, the, the most interesting that's happened in cricket probably this week. Although the Joe Root stuff is pretty good as well. Um, is that uh, India have done it again with the no ball in the in a crucial moment? Like we saw this in the in the white ball series in Australia when India were going to break the streak, Australia's record streak, and then um, who was it? Uh, Goswami bowled to Nikola Kerry at waist high full toss, no ball. So there was a no ball in, in that crucial like last over. There was a free hit. Very similar thing happened to you. I'm sure people have already seen it. Um, who was bowling? Um, in this, Deepthi Sharma. Yeah. Deepthi Sharma, thank you. And then uh, it's two to win off two balls. South African batter hits it down to long on. Out. They check the front foot. Deepthi Sharma's bowled a no ball. Then it's one to win. No, that's one. there's a free hit involved. I can't remember the maths exactly. But, um, but yeah, India are out of the World Cup. And I think that's actually good for Australia because I think there's only one team that can beat Australia in the World Cup, touch wood, and that is the West Indies. No, that's what well, India's, India's been giving Australia really good games recently. So that's, um, that's a boost that Australia needed. Um, just because this is just a really like credible podcast and broadcasting uh, operation, can I just say one thing about Australia-Pakistan before we get onto this that I just think is an interesting side point that I forgot to say? Sure. Cummins sure. gave Italics a ringing, ringing endorsement to Andrew McDonald because you know, um, you know, like skippers are required to give endorsements now, uh, and yeah, uh, I just saw an article last week about CA's global talent search for its next coach because McDonald hasn't been appointed uh, as the men's coach. And one of the articles was about um, the fact that, you know, they're going to ask Ricky Ponting if he's interested. And uh, I just, uh, you know, this kind of would go against the grain because he's so respected. But, like, I just think given the performance, I'd be really sort of cautious to, like, like caution against hiring a ponting type figure and of course you wouldn't say no to it and you'd get around it and it's the forearms and it's everything but like they finally sort of got a team that's like where it's the captain's team you know you know like if they got ponting it 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 would just become ponting's team like yep. all of those players would make a ponting's team i just think you know let the boy watch you know let 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 cummins captain and and, and it just he just works well with andrew mcdonald like let it just mm-hmm. how could you have a, any better example or like evidence that uh, he's good yeah. to go. Anyway, I just want—I just want to point that. Which is—it's just a real sidebar from from that victory. You know, who are they going to point, appoint as coach? Just no, think- no, mate. I, no, look, it, it's interesting, and, and I think in the context of well, what kind of pressure Cummins must have felt going into the Pakistan. Like, if Australia lose that series, like all <laughs> that conversation from the, or that that from that team, yeah. that that legends team would be like, mm. well, that's very interesting. Oh, Mardo okay. Mardo would have been on Twitter for forty eight hours straight, you know, <laughs> and Crickzilla. <laughs> Yeah, weird how they're the same uh, at the mm. same time. Um, yeah, like like it's uh, and that that was part of the declaration of like three fifty in the last innings. Like it was fucking pretty ballsy. Um, I mean, it's worked out well. Um, but in the context of like if Australia lose that series and he gets a declaration wrong, and then what, what all the stuff that's happened with the last coach. I'm not sure if he caught the stuff with the last coach as a whole for that mate. Um, and uh, you know that would 
that would be a very difficult, it's already been a very difficult start. And and also in the context of like, there's all the security stuff going on in Pakistan. Like in the first test, there was a there was a terrorist attack like two hours, I know two hours away is not that close, but you know, that, that, that that's definitely in your brain. There's COVID still quite bad. They've got all these protocols over there. It's a lot of pressure for these guys to go over and just be like, just go and play, just playing a bit of stick, playing yeah. a bit of stick and ball stuff. Um, Alex Carey in the pool was a bit of levity though for everybody. So <laughs> that was a lighthearted moment, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, hey, um, yeah, Women's World Cup. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's great news for Australia. Of course, they won't admit that all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah, India's succumbed to a no ball again. I got to say, like, sort of want India doing well in women's cricket, but. They'll, they'll, they'll come up, you know, their time will come. It'll, the, the, the tidal wave will eventually arrive, you know, but, it's, yeah. it, is, but it, it is the end for Mitali Raj uh, and Goswami as well, two like, yeah. massive servants to the game, have played for a long time, but India probably needs some change, you know. Uh, so, yeah, their, their time will come. Australia, South Africa, England, West Indies, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how our line changes from what it always is, which is I expect Australia to crush every opponent each time they play. Uh, Elise Perry, sir, who's out with injury at the moment, says there's a high percentage chance that she'll come, she'll overcome the back spasms to play. I want Perry in there for safety. She's shown recently yep. that the team isn't as reliant on her as they used to be. But, you know, I still think if Perry wants to play, she should play the big games. Uh, yeah. I just like this line in the in the article as well, saying the superstar all-rounder hasn't done anything. And then it says in inverted commas, cricket-wise since she left the field after bowling just three overs. I'm like, I'm sure she's done other things. Yeah. <laughs> I just have not done a thing. Anyway, uh, that's the wrap up. <laughs> I, think, I think we saw, uh, was it the 20, yeah, it was the 2020 T20 World Cup when South Africa lost in the semifinal to India, didn't they? Was it, yeah, they lost to India at the SCG because of rain and they performed really well. They've got some good players, South Africa. And it'd be interesting because, I mean, England are the defending champions in the 50-over World Cup, um, and they've got good players, but they haven't played very well. South Africa mm. won every game of their tournament except for against Australia, and that run chase they beat India was the second-highest run chase in the history of World Cups. I mean, there, there has been some record-breaking stuff because New Zealand grounds are quite small, sure, but and, and also I think the players are getting better um, every World Cup that passes. But, um, but still, South Africa playing some good cricket, and, um, I mean, anyway... Australia, yeah, I'm just being nice, but Australia, if Australia don't win, it's, um, you know, it's definitely effigies. Definitely. It's definitely effigies. Oh, mate. mate it's, yeah, again, another city, effigy city, next to Tick City. <laughs> hey, uh, but <laughs> let's talk about England. West Indies, England. Um, yeah. Well, here goes, uh, well, West Indies have won the series over there in West Indies, home series yeah. for West Indies, so you expect the home team to win, right? Uh, they chased 28 yeah, on, they chased 28. On the final day, on the fourth day, yeah. to knock over England yeah. 1-0. Day uh, four wicket. Uh, exactly, exactly. Joshua De Silva runs. Yeah, West Indies win the, the Richards Botham Trophy. That's an alpha trophy, trophy. if I've ever heard one. So, that yeah, is alpha. They're in, they're in yeah. Granada. And, uh, you know, more questions for England, mate. Uh, the, the, the main one seems to now revolve around Roots captaincy. And a lot of people have been – some people have been talking about this for – longer than others it's been assumed that well he's the best player and who the fuck else is going to do it oh i think that's fairly logical thinking yeah uh you know what 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 does england have to do he goes you know now that we're the team that's doing well Mm -hmm. you know 
let's let, let let's allow our English audience to uh, revel in two Australians making a few suggestions, you know, as winners. Oh, that'll help. About, that'll that'll help. help and be enjoyable to listen to. <laughs> about what English cricket should do generally, you know, structurally, attitude-wise, maybe culturally, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, personnel, how, 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 strategically. How are Australia superior in every That's one of right. those how facets? How can we overlay our yeah. mentality and our... How can, uh, how the can they sort of learn superiority? I can, tell, I can tell people right now at work and they've stopped what they're doing and they're going to uh, right. lean into their desk yeah, and just like yeah. put like... Oh, yeah, what like, 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 like like, like thinking man statue yeah, or something. Right. What oh, do the Aussies this, think this, of us? This would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. Do they like us? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, get this bloke off the fucking front foot. Um, mate, uh, it's one test win in 17 attempts. Um, there's lots of stats which say, yeah, you got to change the captain. And, you know, I've even seen like Mike Atherton uh, has said today as well that he, he thinks that it's the end of the road for Joe Root. So, look, and it, it, it probably is. Um, uh, I I think that the next time England will be good will be when they have 11 good players. You can do whatever the fuck. You can get any coaching you want. Change the, yeah, change the fucking captain. Change your bowling attack. Shift around some batters. You, they just do not have 11 Test, test match quality cricketers to compete with teams that have like fucking seven good players. I mean, they are so far away. I wonder what will happen if you take that. that the bigger problem for them actually might be that if Root loses the captaincy, he scored all these runs as captain. You know how some of that anomaly stuff can happen? Like he actually performs better as the leader. But then there's a team, like the, I think if they change the captain, it's got to the point where like, yeah, okay, the team will win maybe a couple more games. Maybe they'll win like, three games of the next 17. I'm not sure what their roster is coming it's up. Triple, I mean, they've got, they got New Zealand the South coming up. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's that's that's, that's pretty good. But uh, uh, so, uh, okay, my answer can't be just like, don't change it because what's the point? <laughs> like, you, you can get better. Like, they, they probably will get a little bit better. Um, I guess it feels like they're trying to, they're trying to like, you know, make the World Test Championship final if they if, if Stokes was the captain. You know, it just, it strikes me they're trying to go for a, you know, a, they need a hard man now. They need a hard man in there. It's been too nice. They need some real, like, blokes fucking getting into them. That's the cycle now they're now in. Now, Australia's just gone out of that cycle to get out of sandpaper. It's like some cultural stuff. So now they've got, like, a more of a calming approach, player influence, you know, climate change. Uh, <laughs> all those three it things. Is. It is. It all goes in cycles. Every, all it's of these things go in cycles. It has to, it has now to be. Now they a hard man. It has to be the next step for England. They must have... They must have old players come out of the woodwork and say, look, I think the yep. cricket's become soft. I think it yes. needs a hard man in there. It, 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 there's, only, there's only two men who can do that. It, that's Justin Langer or Ravi Shastri. I saw her on Twitter. Or Sean Dyche. Or Sean Dyche, exactly. Some Allardyce <laughs> stuff. That's right. We need to toughen these guys up. Visit the Somme. Fucking yep. the, the Battle of the Somme, yeah. it is. You visit the yeah. Somme. Uh, and, you know, soft sand runs, 100-100s. Yeah. All that sort of shit. Ben Stokes is captain now, leading from the front. British bull, bulldog, Brexit, yep. like Churchillian I'm a, I, shit. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. You know, uh, yeah, Churchillian shit. Really inspirational. Very tough. Bit of stuff going on underneath, but that doesn't yeah. matter for now. We can worry about that later. Um, so, yeah, that that's that's where England. That's surely that's the. That's the thing they've got to style themselves on. That's not going to make players better or worse necessarily. But, I mean, in all seriousness, like if you are struggling the way that they are, you do have to reorient the leadership. I mean, if you can get more out of the existing resource, then you find the people that can improve the environment. Uh, I just think that the environment, 
that uh, like the like in the absence of like an obvious change or an like obvious new environment, it's, g- it's surely going to become like, all right, no more Mr. Nice Guy. You guys are going to like, you're going yeah. to cricket jail now. You're going to become the fittest, hardest, meanest group going around, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, as far as captains, I mean, it has to be Stokes, doesn't it? I've seen other, um, yeah. other suggestions out there. There's Sam Billings as a suggestion. He's played one test match. There's Tom Abel, I, I think, think uh, who hasn't great news for, played. Great news for Bilbo, who's not even in the team, and now he's the test captain. Yeah. It's fucking, that's an unbelievable ascension. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I guess. Uh, and um, who else? Who else are they talking about? I saw Stuart Broad mentioned. That's a, that's fucking, that's a hell of a comeback for Broady as well. I mean, he yeah. may as well. So I think yeah. he sort of, he sort of, I think you'd take it. You know, sort of, I don't think it would be hard for him, you know. To, if offered, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah, you know, I feel like Brody, uh, don't know him at all, yeah. but Philip like Brody would, would, you know, he's got a pretty independent view as it is. So let's let's go. Yeah. Just get people around him. Yeah. Either way, it's going to be some trappings for us. It's going to be a new, you know, they've got the re- the great Red Bull reset, whatever the fuck that means. And uh, we're going to see some new people. We're going to see a new vibe. And I think it's going to be good for English cricket. I mean, they just got to win the next series at home, don't they? they how, how do they win the home summer? That's going to be the thing. Yeah. Um, get some other guys involved. Thing, it's just getting people involved that make you feel happy. Just figures, you know. Like it's like being an old United fan. Like uh, on occasion, people like they need Roy Keane in there, and I just, you know, like the real like uh, the dopamine in you is like, oh, he, I remember how he made me feel. You know, that's great. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, doesn't yeah. <laughs> I've got no thought yeah. as to what it actually practically looks like, uh, yeah. and it'd be a disaster. But you're just like, oh yeah, I remember how he played. So let's just overlay that feeling to the current situation. And you know, you just do that with England cricket as well. There's guys that made you feel good. Just get them in and around the joint. Get them helping yeah. out, and you know, then the old days will yeah. return. And what were yeah, those old I- days? Like maybe one good Test side for a few years, and. <laughs> <laughs> World Cup that New Zealand won, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically. Still, it was good. Yeah. Anyway, I hope that helps. Um, <laughs> hope that helps England just sort of just process a few things and um, I guess just do whatever you want. But, um, mate, it's funny you were saying before, I do agree. Like, it, it's, it, is, it's, it is hard to win away. It just, it just is. Because, mm-hmm. like, part of the frustration I'm sure English fans are feeling is that, like, West Indies aren't even that good. But they're good at home. Like it, it's still a good like it's it's hard Maybe. to and Australia when Australia go there in in a in a year and a bit it's going to be hard for Australia like look at that series they had Joe Denley and um Jason Roy in their top three and it's like now they're not they're not bad players but they just turned out they're not probably got you know Test match quality and Anderson only bowled four balls in that series and Steve yeah. Smith was Bradman and the score was two two yeah, <laughs> so exactly it's, like, it's fucking just hard. Got there. Yeah. Mate, uh, England also look. Where England, England were just too cute by half. They could have notched a couple of extra wins and taken the pressure off themselves around the traps. Like it was pretty, pretty tough for them. They've gone overseas to India, then they've yeah. decided to fuck around when New Zealand came preparing for the World Test Championship. Like they, they fucked that up. They should have, they yeah. should have um, treated that way more seriously than they did. Uh, but they they mucked around with the team after they won that first test against India. Remember, trying to rest guys yeah. for the Ashes, and then they yeah. did the same thing in the Ashes as well. They were trying to rest guys. Yeah. There's just too many games that they haven't taken, uh, you know, seriously in and of itself. Like you've always said, like the the, the next game's more important than the current one. And look where they find themselves now. Anyway. Um. Anyway, uh, Broad and Anderson should be available for the next series. I would have thought. I would have thought. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> Did you say? Oh, I think I think the day that uh, England got rolled for a hundred in, in the third test, like Broad posted on Insta or Twitter, like great day today. He's out in the course or something. It was just an absolutely fantastic day <laughs> with somebody like great scorecard or something like that. I'm paraphrasing oh it, but God. sure, it was a great day oh. on the course. Oh, I fucking bet it was. I bet it was. He'd be a wonderful captain, I think. Uh, really bring bring the team together. Um, the IPL. Uh, is a thing that's going on now. Obviously, you can get uh, all the stuff we're doing just about every single day on YouTube uh, and, of course, Patreon. But uh, the series has kicked off. Um, the Calcutta Knight Riders play against the Chennai Super Kings in the final rematch. That was the first game on Saturday night Australia time. And KKR got the business done. We had Shane Watson on Watto's Rap. That's a weekly show we got here on uh, on the interwebs. And uh, he was—he just had a few suggestions. He was like, CSK, maybe no good, no more. Now, for those of the uninitiated, CSK have won... Four IPLs. Uh, I think that's the most winningest franchise. Um, Mumbai. So they, they're good. Mumbai. Mum- Mumbai. So Mumbai. Five. Mumbai. Is, you're right. You're right. You're right. And then CSK. Good knowledge. No, I'm just worried about the comments uh, there. You just, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. would have yeah, fucking destroyed yeah. any review, any like any feedback yeah. on the rest of the show on anything. Yeah. Just like, nah, Mumbai Five. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, the best part um, about that Watto's rap, as you said, like when every time we talk to Watto's rap about the IPL, like. For those who don't follow the IPL because it's weird times and colours and stuff uh, of jerseys, uh, like nice. w- yeah, just clarifying. Uh, <laughs> like Watto is a big CSK guy. Like he played for them and he had a lot of love for them, and they looked after him yeah. after he came in from RCB. And he just every time he come on the show, like he just pump up CSK at all costs and all times. Wouldn't say a bad word about Donny, which is fair enough because he would die yeah. if you did. Yeah. And and now he's Ponting's assistant coach at Delhi. And he just like he just I just love seeing the other side of Watto because as everyone who listens now would know he's he's just he's just about the best bloke going around nicest bloke universally yeah. popular very smart yeah. all those things and uh, it just you just got to see the cricket side of Watto a little bit he just he just queried whether the shift yeah. from the captaincy from Donny to Jadeja without any kind of transition with Donny still in the side might just be a bit strange you know will Donny know how to playing a team without being captain. I was like, oh, little shot fired from Watto there. Just getting under the skin. Mm. A little bit of question stuff. It got picked up in the Hindustan Times, Sport Kita, etc. I just like to see that side of Watto, you know. He's still got the killer instinct. Yeah. Yeah. Um one thing know. one thing I like is um is Delhi's New Jersey. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the jerseys are good. <laughs> You know, it's because um, so anytime I see Ponting it just makes me so happy obviously of course, because of yeah. what he gave me in my life. Yep. Um but, like, I was just thinking about how, like, it is very American, isn't it, the IPL? Like, they call the finals the playoffs. I mean, that's not necessarily mm. an exclusively American thing, I suppose. But, like, the, even, like, the coach, you know, like, in baseball where the coaches are in full kit? Like, yeah. I saw Pond, like, Pondings, they were, they, were, they were in full plane jerseys, like, but they don't. I know, wow. like, the, like, T20 leagues, generally, they try and get you involved in many different ways. There's timeout, there's timeouts, mm. another, another mm. Americanism. But, like, even the coach in, like, full kit. Mm. I hadn't really thought about it before, but like every speech point he's ever done for Delhi, like he's in full kit. He's like mm. he's he's about to play. He's got sunglasses on the back of his cap, like he's feeling a backward point. Uh, he doesn't wear like the, the he SCG. doesn't wear the trousers though, does he? He doesn't wear the pants. Yeah, I think so. Long pants. I think he, so. he, he wears he like he's in full playing kit. I really hope that's true. That is because we've already got him one time wearing cricket Australia shorts <laughs> down the peninsula. There, he can't surely. He's not got his spikes on. That really. <laughs> Why is it wearing a thigh pad? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's actually padded up, <laughs> giving his speeches. I tell you what, if Ponting could be seventy-five years old, and I've, if I'm fielding and I see Ricky Ponting padding up next, even yeah. though he's on the team sheet, I'm, I'm yeah. scared. Yeah, we don't, we don't really. want a wicket here. 
Exactly. I'm dropping catches on purpose again so the next bloke doesn't come in. Anyway, that's the IPL. Some shit's happening. Yeah. There's about 70 games and we're doing it on YouTube. Get around it. Subscribe, actually. If, you, if, you, if you're new to YouTube and all that sort of gear, just subscribe. It helps. Um, <laughs> helps us. <laughs> Doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, want to, if you don't want to do it, then don't do it. Mm. Um, uh, South Australia won a game in the Shield. Um, so yep. that's news. I just news. wanted to say that. Yeah, that's something. Yeah. That's a circuit. Uh, yeah, good for them. Good for them. First time um, since the late 80s. Um, Bangladesh, and you go to the hip heads. Bangladesh dusts South Africa in ODIs 2-1. They've dusted them 2-1. Yeah, they dusted them 2-1. And then, a two, and then a two-test series starts in a couple of days' time. Um, so that's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, South, South Africa's got like... South Africa's got England. They're going to England. Um, then here. After, after the IPL, then they got here, yeah. And it's just interesting. They've got such a good bowling attack. We saw a couple of those new sticks, didn't we, uh, in the India series? Um, Peterson batting three. Yeah. Varane got 100 in. You got a big 100. You got a daddy. You got a daddy in New Zealand. Yeah, daddy. I up. said he could not bat this bloke. Mm. I said, this bloke cannot bat. He averages 50 in first class cricket. Don't see how. Uh, got 160 in a test match. So that's probably pretty good. Uh, anyway, uh, that's what's happening with them. Um, Pez, we, who are we speaking to first? You want to speak to Brett Lee Binger. first? Or do you want yeah, to speak Binger, to Binger first? I mean, okay. So Swebo's we'll played one, like two first. tests and Brett Lee. Uh, and, and we haven't actually spoken to Mitchell Swepson yet, to be That's fair as well. That's true. That's true. That's true. Well, a couple of DMs, um, but we'll, we'll be releasing oh, yeah, those yeah, just yeah, yet. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we need to thank our dear friends, Budgie Smuggler. Use the code CHAMP for free custom design. Uh, of course, we thank Budgie for their support over the years. And I think, Pez, mm. we're talking about custom bucket hats. Yeah. There's all those that you can accessorize however you like. I feel I feel like this week he goes. It's a week for uh, for hot boys for hot boy captains uh, oh, because okay. that's we'll, very specific. Well, I feel like it's a week for hot boy captains because Cummins has obviously achieved what Australian teams haven't achieved for quite a while. Ten years since they sure. won in Asia uh, in a Test series. Uh, Faf Duplessis is the new captain of RCB. You know, he's captain where Coley isn't captain. So, he, you know, he's obviously a hot boy, hot man. He's probably more, more man than boy. Uh, so I just wanted for a custom design, if you wanted to go through some of the hottest male leaders around the world, just having a think yeah. about that. We're, we're try- All we're trying to do here is just try and uh, brainstorm. You know, there's nothing wrong in brainstorming. There is actually. But the guys like, you know, uh, Enrique Peña Nieto, the uh, president of Mexico. He's a hot boy, as people will know. Justin Trudeau, I get people say that's hot. PM uh, of Canada, uh, Prince Amadeo of Belgium, the Archduke of Austria-Est, uh, that guy, uh, Hamdan... What did you Google to find this? Hot boy leaders. <laughs> did you, mate? Uh, I'm a bit dizzy. I've been trying to drink some water out of my toddler bottle here, but uh, obviously I don't have enough. Uh, what about Hamdan bin Muhammad Al Maktoum? Sheikh of Dubai. I was going to say course. him, actually. Yeah. 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 Uh, what about Pedro Sanchez Perez Castillon, the secretary of the Spanish Socialist Workers' Party? A couple of hot boys. Good name. A couple of Can hot you say boys. Oh, uh, yeah. Pedro again? Sanchez Perez Castillon. That's, fucking, that's, a, that's a good name. I'm sure that's, that's how you say it. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and the secretary of the Spanish Socialist Workers' Party as well. You know, so that's, some, that's hot stuff. A <laughs> uh, couple of Your ideas there. So, somber then. You could you could get that. To, all you need is a picture. Believe us, that's all you need is a picture. You could even put those pictures on PowerPoint and then send it yeah. to Budgie. And I can tell you that firsthand. You can get a whole yeah, range true. of smugglers out doing that. 
uh, some high level stuff there. But uh, yeah, you can do that and you got your custom design, custom swimwear. That's budgiesmuggler.com.au. Accessories, everything. Australian made, great, great organization. Help them out. Support them. They'll support you. Get around them. They'll get around you. Cheers. Here he is. Here's the great man, Brett Bingley. Okay, this guy played 76 tests, 310 wickets there, best of five for 30, 10 fifers, 221 ODIs, 380 wickets at 23, a best of five for 22, nine fifers. There's 25 T20Is in there at 28 with 28 wickets. So that's 718 international wickets on the Zoom call right now uh, to go with 116 first-class games, 487 wickets, 20 fifers. 2,500 runs with the bat across all international formats too at uh, an average of 20-odd. He's a gun fielder, rocket arm, probably the quickest bowler Australia's ever produced. Absolute rooster. Plays in a rock band. And whichever team he was in, the boys must have been absolutely purring in the sheds uh, when this bloke was around. Uh, It's none other than Brett Lee. Binger, welcome to the Grey Cricketer. Boys, I have to say that is the best introduction I've ever had in my life. With your permission, I might actually take that and use that when I go and do. No, no, no problem. You know the roost, the roosters in the uh, proverbial shed with us. So we're happy. you can do what you want. Uh, it being a look, storied career, every level, successful at every level. So let's obviously start the most important one: grade cricket. What's your relationship to it? How quickly did you graduate from it? Uh, when did you realise you were scaring uh, grizzled veterans? Well, great, great cricket was the actual fundamental of learning how to play the game. And that's where you learn about yourself. You learn how to sledge properly. You learn how to have some fun. You learn the, the trades of cricket. And, I, you know, I, I sort of think back to it must have been I was about 15 years of age down the south coast playing for the Oak Flats Rats. And I'd, I was playing first grade cricket down there. And I got the offer to come to Sydney. So think about a, a 16-year-old kid then. It took me a year to work out that I wanted to go to Sydney. So at the age of 16, I was playing first-grade first, uh, first grade cricket in Sydney for the Cameltown Ghosts. And I was always short. I had size 12 feet in year seven. And they said, I'll, I'll grow into my feet. Big hands, big feet, long socks, as they say. Um, you, will, you will be oh, able man. to ball. But I, I, was just, I was waiting to get to six foot. It took me to the age of 18. But, yeah, 16 years of age, I was playing first-grade cricket in Sydney, facing guys like Wayne Holdsworth back in the 90s and just absolutely shitting myself. <laughs> <laughs> I've also heard being like um, stories of you playing in the Lord Taverners week. You must have been playing for combined high school, CHS, mm. and just scaring children. Like, like, do, you know, do you know how fast you were at that age? Any sort of any, like, were you, were you bowling sort of 145s then as a 15-year-old, 16-year-old? I hit uh, I hit 150 for the first time at the age of 16. Um, with, I think you know, it's, it's weird. Like, I don't even know how I did it, to be honest. And I know how hard at the age of 45 would be to bowl over 130 k's an hour. But, yeah, look, just, just young and enthusiastic and super keen. My, my son's 15 um, and he's got some really good, um, you know, cricketing ability and, and he's more of a batting all-rounder. But... I don't know. I don't know how I did it. I honestly don't, do not know how I did it. I was just so excited to, to hopefully one day play for my country. I, I don't know where to start with that, Binger, because like <laughs> one thing we try and avoid on this cast is ever saying like who was the quickest you faced or what's the yeah. fastest you bowled or whatever. Yeah. But I kind of want to do that with you. And, and I, <laughs> I want to like focus it in on at a young age. Like I want to, I basically want to zero in on 
what's the most scared you ever saw a grade player? Or when did you realize <laughs> was it in the nets? Like, and did you overstep in the nets? There's so many questions. Like, did you overstep and bump blokes? Like, what's just this? When did you realize that you like you were the one when it came to frightening pace? Well, overstep in training on purpose? No, but did I overstep? Absolutely. Uh, pretty much every single net session. I, my, my first memory of bowling fast. So imagine, you know, I've got an older brother, Shane, who also happened to play 45 games for Australia. He, he played in, in the sort of one day cricket arena. My younger brother, Grant, um, played first grade in Sydney, um, under 17s and, and 19s uh, for New South Wales, was probably a better cricketer than all of us put together. So Shane being a classic all-rounder, Grant being an all-rounder, I was never good at batting. So I just thought I'll, I'll try and bowl fast in the backyard. And at the age of 12, I was at playing for the Oak Flats Rats and we had this new gun batsman come from, I think, Lake Illawarra. And my coach said, Roddo, we have to try and test him out here. Try and bowl him a short ball and we'll see if he can get in the under 12 team. I said, yeah, but he's not wearing it. And the batsman said, I don't need a helmet, I'm fine. So, you know, that is like a red rag to a ball for me. And uh, I ran in, bought him a sniff. And the next thing, a few hours later, um, my dad's offering to pay for this poor kid's dental bills. I knocked out both of his teeth. There was claret all over the wicket and I felt horrible. I honestly, I never liked the sight of blood. I hated batsmen getting hurt throughout my whole career. Uh, and I, I know you have to play the role sometimes of a big, tough, fast bowler, but it was the age of 12 when I thought guys are generally scared of the ball. And I'm not lying. It, it, it did feel good when, you know, you could scare the tripe out of the batsman. But as I said, like, Anyone getting injured or permanently hurt was definitely not on my radar, but it did happen, unfortunately, in sport. There has, um, there has you, to have been a point, Binger, though, when you like you realise you could frighten your brothers, you know, like who are older than you. Like that must have been incredible. Like just understanding like older, younger brother dynamics. Like there must have been. I mean, so if we extrapolate it, you're bowling one fifties when you're sixteen, <laughs> so you're probably you're still clocking one thirty at around fourteen. You know, like yeah. you, quick you, enough. Yeah, it's quick. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Mix up the footwork a little bit. But, you know, how good did that feel? Oh, look, it felt, felt awesome. And as, as I said, I, you know, I couldn't bowl spin like Warnie through the early 90s. Um, I wasn't good at batting. I was actually scared of batting because my brother being two and a half years old, would pin me every single net session. He pinned me somewhere. Even to the day that we finished playing first-class cricket together. Um, and I, I just thought, well... I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and do something here. And that was, that was bowling and that was bowling fast. So bowling fast came quite natural to me. I was, I was very lucky. I think, you know, my parents always, even to today, they, they argue over where we got the talent from. And my dad was the real, I guess, brains behind. Never played cricket, my old man. But he, he had that never say die attitude, never ever give up. Um, he watched cricket, learned the basics pretty quickly and just told us, try and do this, try and do that. But my mum was a sprinter. My mum was a 100-metre sprinter. So we probably got the fast-switch fibres from mum, mm. which he tells dad, as I said, every every single day. <laughs> uh, you've got to genetically have something working for you, but then yes. it's also the next one, you get you so far. It's then how do you um, take that to the next level? How, you know, how, do you, how do you go from being a 15-, 16-year-old grade cricketer to hopefully going on to represent your country? And that's where it comes from 
you know, th there's a whole lot of uh, mental toughness that goes with it, you know, going through injuries. And I I've had so many injuries, but it's how you deal with those injuries and how you overcome adversity and use all these cliches if you want. But that's where I think my dad's mental strengths got us through those, those tough periods. Um, there's also a game that when you were playing for Mossman later in your career after the Ghost, where you opened the bowling with Shoal Bakhtar. Um, do you remember that game? Yeah, and look, I, I actually had a, um, a chat to Shoal Bakhtar Shell Bakhtar on my podcast uh, last month when I was over in o Oman playing. That's the legend. That's the story. But it actually never happened, unfortunately. So a lot of journalists, even to this day, print that. And everyone thinks it happens because it's all over the press. And everyone thought that we did play a game together. We were down to play that particular game. I spoke to a gentleman only last week. And he said I was the opening batsman. And he'd been, <laughs> been caught up the first grade, he said. And he looked at the, uh, the rundown who was you know, who were playing against and Lee, Lee from one end and actor from the other. So he, uh, so he got no sleep the whole week, but it just never worked out with timings. Um, you know, yeah. I, I was away playing, Shaw wasn't available. I played one week, he played three weeks later, but I can tell you now on the great cricketer that um, I spoke to Shaw, my son plays for Manly and he said, we've got to make this happen. I don't care how old we are. So we're going to organize a game where I'll come from one end and he'll, he'll come from the other. He probably, <laughs> He probably will get the win though, boys, because he did bowl <laughs> point was it point two of a k quicker than me. Um, so he'll probably get the win. Uh, I know it's such a like a pedestrian chat for you, mate. But like you know, when people um people say, "Oh, what's your unpopular cricket opinion?" Mm. and uh, like for for me, it's and I know this is sacrilege to say, and you'll you'll, you'll disagree. But like for me, it's that like Jeff Thompson probably bowled one hundred and thirty eight k's now. Because uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking if I could somehow superimpose you running in all yeah. the sports science and athleticism in like the late seventies or early eighties with the with the flowing top, like and you're bowling at littlest blokes, that that, that is looking way quicker than Tomo's stuff for me. I, it's just it's just me, and I know they clocked really? him and everything. Yeah, like uh, I, I reckon that you would have done some damage in the late seventies on and off the field. But are, are you, you know, were you, you're not allowed to say it, but you know, were you quicker than Tomo? Um, was I, look on, on paper I was, but if you, if you speak to the guys, it's, it's different eras too, mate. It's very hard to compare, compare eras. We had guys that were pretty much um, dressed up like the Michelin men, you know, they had helmets on, rib guards, arm guards. You think back to Tomo's, Tomo's era when he was bowling 160 Ks on wickets that really weren't, properly covered they were a little bit wet and juicy sometimes if you're bowling 160 k's back in the 60s and 70s and 80s then it's obviously it might seem like it's 180 k's because of the lack of protection and the lack of preparation on the wickets tomo tomo definitely bowled gas and he was a guy that i used to love watching um i'm actually surprised that he that no one's trying to copy his action you know because it's such a it's almost like winding up this big um, I don't know how you'd explain, like a spring. And he mm. just blow with his power at the crease. And he would scare the living daylights out of some of the batsmen. But, um, yeah, look, I, I've heard Tomo speak, and he's hilarious. I think he gets quicker every single year when he speaks. <laughs> he said, he actually rings he bowled 180 Ks. But he may have done. He may have done, quick. right? Yeah. Um, 180. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, one of my favourites are, uh... Roblinder two clips on YouTube, Bingo, is, uh, is you bowling to 
Steve Waugh in, in, a, in Academy 11 game against Australia, which was sort of a precursor to like, that's how good that team was about to become that the Academy team was playing against the Australian team. It had already won the world cup and stuff yep. like, um, and in that game, you've got, you actually got quite a different action. Um, it's, it's not quite as sort of like, yeah, it's a little more free flowing, I suppose, or raw or somehow, but up, like comes up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then you, you run Steve, you run Steve or out of your own bowling. Um, but like, but I mean, the question is like, how intimidating was it when you're in the Academy and you're bowling against like Steve Warren playing against Michael Bevan and like, that team like how intimidating was that oh of course it's intimidating you know to think about you're playing against guys that who were heroes growing up steve wall mark wall um you know we had some pretty decent players on our side as well i think we had casper i think we had um ponting gilchrist was on our side but the, the funniest thing about that i mean getting getting steve war out was brilliant i'm thinking i hope that doesn't cost me a test career running out <laughs> you know the next uh, captain behind steve war but my brother Shane was about 23 years of age, was just trying to make his way into the Australian cricket team. He came in and faced two or three balls. They got him out caught and bowled, said, pack your bags, champ. And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. Mate, thanks. You know, like here I am trying to get back in the Aussie side. Get into the Aussie side. You get me out in the bloody academy game. Thanks, mate. That's great. Uh, we had we had Shane on the show uh, maybe a year or so ago. He told, he told some great stories about coming into the, the Aussie team. But uh, mm. I, I just seem to recall when you joined the Aussie side, being a like, it it seemed like it unbelievable that this team that was just a golden team was about to get even better because they've just brought in this like young raw paced good looking blonde guy and i just i'm i've got so many questions about that like but the main one is there's so many grizzled veterans in that team and then you come in i just i'm just wondering about off-field stuff i'm wondering about the tubs like was there a tubbing culture in that team Mm. they must have been like I, i felt like Getting you in must have been like a new toy, you know. Like, oh, look at this, look at this rooster coming in. Like, are you able to shed any light on that? I don't mean to objectify you, but it's you know, it's a, from a great cricketer's perspective, it's about as kind of full on as it gets. You know, like, can you give us any tubbing culture stuff? Well, put it this way: when you when you join um, a team, and 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 certainly when you play great cricket, which was the embarrassing thing. Imagine I'm 16 years of age. I was in year 10 at high school. And, you know, you come off the field and everyone just gets naked and starts showering, which happens in that, that cricket culture. It, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, that's, that's, that, that was looked uh, from a different perspective. It's just, just what happens in great cricket and a lot of different sporting teams around the world. But when you're, when you're 16 years of age, you know, it took me a while to, to, um, to get the confidence to go in and, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'd generally just jump in the car and drive home in my whites and be home in two hours from, uh, from Mossman when I was on my P's and, you know, I'd be cramping up. I'd be driving down the F6 down over sort of Mount Oosley. And I still remember I was cramping up and I was hot and sweaty from playing. I thought I could have a shower at some stage, you know, um, <laughs> but look, I, I think when I, when I joined the Aussie cricket team, I was like a, you know, a kid in a candy store. I was just like, how good is this? Just turned 23. Uh, it's, it's what I've dreamed of. And yeah, it's just, it's just the best occasion, you know? And, my career almost ended before it started because I sat next to Gilly in Melbourne, MCG Boxing Day Test 99, my debut test against India. Here I was, and, and Gilly's just eyeballing me. He's looking me in the eye like this, and he's just saying, right, today when you get out there, just give it your best, and you know, you're here for a reason, blah, blah, blah. Not knowing that he was he was so in-depth talking to me. So to give McGrath, who was on my right, I think it was, enough time to tie my shoelaces together, and I got up and nearly tripped over, so... 
I was almost cooked the first minute and played, boys, but that was like my like initiation of getting into the side. But yeah, it, it's it's a fun time. You know, the sort of dressing room stuff is the stuff that you do miss. You know, it's all well and good playing out there on the field and, you know, being being a part of a winning team or getting a fire for and making a contribution to, to to the side, but it's the it's the after hours. It's in the change room, the drinking the piss with your mates and um, just an absolute shit when you're sitting around and, and, and then getting the, the other players to come in from, you know, the different teams around the world. And, you know, you'd be out there, I'll be trying to bounce the, the hell out of the few of the batsmen. And then, you know, within 20 minutes, here we are arm in arm having a cold beer together saying, how good's test cricket? And that's, that's the stuff that you do miss. You know, the, the battles on the field, sure, but it's the stuff off the field that you miss. In terms of like circuit stories, like just after the 05 Ashes, when um, you guys played against the World Eleven in a test match mm. at the SCG, then three games at like Docklands, I think it might have been, and like all the stats counted towards people's careers because they wanted people to be like, were you guys, were you guys up for that series or was that just a circuit? No, of course we're up for it. Um, it was a decent circuit back then as well, you know, but <laughs> uh, it was a lot of fun, you know, and that, that's the thing when you... I try and explain to people what it's like when you get the chance to represent your country. And when you're, as I said, I was 22, 23 years of age. So you've tried for so long from, you know, my dream was at the age of nine, I told mum and dad I wanted to play for Australia and I wanted to be the fastest bowler in the world. That was my, that was my dream and wear the baggy green cap. So when you eventually get the chance to represent your country, it's like jumping on a merry-go-round. You know, it's so hard to get onto. And you finally get up and you and you cling on for dear life. You hold on for as long as you can. Then you get spat off. It might be 13 years down the road. It might be three months down the road. It might be injury. It could be whatever it is. But it's this merry-go-round that is is over-absorbing. You know, that you have to learn how to deal with the pressure. You have to learn how to be a good public speaker. You have to learn how to deal with stuff being written in the press that you don't agree with. You have to learn how to deal with fans. You have to learn how to deal with criticism and all the stuff that goes with it. So, you know, you grow up pretty quickly, but mm. the greatest thing is that we were on tour for 300 days a year. And most guys back then, you know, there were a few guys that were married, a few guys that were single, a few guys that had girlfriends and stuff. And that, you know, it, it, it wasn't about, it was just sharing some really good moments as, as a team. And they become part of your family, you know, 300 uh, days per year away with the same 12 to 15 guys become super tight mates. It's funny you say that being um, sort of speaking of family, but uh, perhaps in a more like controversial sense, like so many people from the golden team from that generation, I really staunchly backed JL recently when it was all going down uh, a little while ago, but I noted you, you were one of the rare people who said something pretty reasonable about uh Pat Cummins, while also noting that JL had been harshly treated uh, at the end, just from an outside view, like it, it seemed like some of the older guys might have found it hard to conceive that younger blokes preferred someone other than someone who was in the golden generation. And you, but you seem to understand that. Like, like how did you find the whole ordeal? Um, and given that you've got relationships on all sides, and, and do you yeah. think the team's gone in the right direction? Yeah, and look, I'm I'm in all sort of three camps. You know, I think Cricket Australia have been fantastic for, for me over the years with my career. Massive fan of Pat Cummins, and obviously a very loyal mate with Justin Langer. But it was an, it was an absolute shit fight. The way that it was handled, it could be handled so much better. And the the best way to handle it would have been simply um, Justin Langer was there for four years, took aside 
they went through the whole sandpaper gate, um, you know, to, to toughen the side up, to, to get the side back into firstly playing some really good cricket again through discipline, but also get the Australian public to fall in love with the Australian cricket team again, which they did. So that's a couple of ticks in the boxes for Justin Langer straight away. Um, just because, you know, you're a wonderful player doesn't make you a wonderful coach. Lucky for Justin Langer, I think he was both. But there's always a shelf life. And he had four great years. The team, and, and, and they use the word or the phrase in inverted commas, they want to go in a different direction. And, you know, reading between the lines, they, um, you know, they probably want a new coach. But that's fine too. And there's nothing wrong with having um, different views on, on what you believe or what you feel as a coach. So where I think the stuff up was, um, Justin Langer should have seen the writing on the wall. Um, you know, because he had a meeting six months ago or six months before he uh, left prior to saying that, you know, the, the team's moving on. Um, you've lost some of the, the, the members of the team and, you know, they're going in a different direction as they as they said. There, there may have been a meeting 12 months prior to that as well. So if Justin Lang had read the writing or read the, read the room correctly or saw the writing on the wall, then he could have dealt with things differently. Cricket Australia also should have gone, right, after the end of the Ashes in, in 2021 slash 22, this is going to be your, your final um, test match as, a, as an Australian coach. Go out in a high. We will back you 100%. You know, you can leave with glory. The good chance that, that the boys will beat the Poms. Um, are you on board? We can back you 100%. That's what should have happened. And that's what could have happened. We wouldn't be talking about it on this podcast today. But because I think Justin Langer is such a... He had to fight for his career as a batsman. He had to fight so hard. He was so stubborn. He would never give his wicket away, which made him one of the world's best players and a great opener for Australia and a great teammate. I think he used some of that stuff he learned as a batsman and put that towards his coaching. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go on, on, on these terms. I'm going to stay in there and fight. Then Cricket Australia didn't have the balls, I guess, then to back him, uh, to, to sack him rather, they thought, oh, we'll offer a six-month contract, a, a, a measly contract that they knew he wasn't going to accept. So he had to go in his own terms. It's sad. Cook Australia should have fired him um, if they believed that was the best way going forward. Justin Langer should have gone, I know this is going to be my last test series. I've gotten a high and it would have been a lot better process rather than the stuff that Justin Langer was, was dragged through. He's better than that. You know, we, we shouldn't treat a great Australian, you know, iconic cricketer the way we did. Pat Cummins, though, uh, to his credit, didn't have to say anything. You know, this is the beliefs that they had. If he came out and said, oh, yeah, we backed Justin Lang 100%, well, how does that look for him and his teammates? His teammates are the most important mm -hmm. thing. He went differently to what they were thinking inside the camp. Well, then it wouldn't have been the right thing. So I also praise the way that uh, it was held uh, and dealt by, by uh, Pat Cummins. I completely agree. I agree with all that. I know. Uh, I know. Being that, uh, like, later in your career, you became like a, a very skilled bowler, and that's not to say that you weren't a skilled bowler. You know, at the beginning of your career, I think you just sort of had to adapt because you know, as your body changes and stuff, then you have to pick up different skills. But I just know at the moment, like the sort of the main three quicks, you know, Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood, they're all about like 140 Ks now. I know Stark can ramp it up a little bit more than that, but it is a little bit slower than what it was maybe four or five years ago. And I know at the same time, there's probably like 10 guys around world cricket who all bowl faster than that. And in my like alpha paradigm, I just want, you know, the Australians to have all the fastest bowlers ever. But like, mm. but, but do you think they, they might be better bowlers now, you know, those guys than what they were 
a couple of years ago. But like, do you think there was a best version of yourself? Was it the raw 160s guy? Or was it like right at the end when you're still playing for the sixes, bowling sort of like higher 130s, 140s? Like what, what was your best version, do you think? It's a very good question. Um, I, you know, I've, I've never thought about that, Ian, because, you know, for, for me, it was trying to bowl as quick as I possibly could for as long as I possibly could, you know, and to, to hit over 150 Ks for 20 years, that's, that's my greatest asset. That's, that's been the thing I'm, I'm most proud about. Not taking how many wickets for Australia or what I've done. Of course, it's great to win a World Cup, but if I, if I bowl for 20 years over 150 Ks, that, that proves that my longevity in the game, the way I train, or, you know, I wanted to be the fittest. I wanted to sort of be out there playing for as long as I possibly could. That, that makes me really proud, that particular thing. But I think um, probably the best version was, was um, probably on the guy. And so I've always said, I love playing under Steve Waugh because he just threw in the ball and said, mate, give me four overs of absolute gas. Oh, I don't care. Yeah. 40 runs off your four overs. If you get this key wicket, this key breakthrough, we're back on top. And there were times where, where my, you know, my test figures blew out because I was playing a different role. It was short, short, full, short, full, you know, you get some guy bounced off and caught it fine leg. You get your breakthrough and the captain's happy. But when it comes to the end of the year and they look at your figures, they go, oh, hang on, you, you've been a bit expensive. Your average might have been high 30s. You've got to also put things into perspective. I think under the guidance of Ricky Ponning, he allowed me to to still bowl fast, but to have probably a different role, you know, and, and not just bowl three overs a quickie. He sort of, he wanted me to bowl five overs of, of pace, but in, in pretty good areas. So I think Ricky Ponning was probably the guy where I learned more about my cricket than under any other captain. Um, so to have the freedom of bowling, bowling fast, but also setting the right fields and, and just knowing myself, but that also comes with experience. You know, I was, I was young playing under Steve Waugh, um, Michael Clark tactically was, was outstanding. Uh, but Ricky Ponting in terms of a man manager and in terms of knowing my game was probably, yeah, the guy I'd put first. Bing, you're doing your own podcast at the moment as well, the Brett Lee podcast. A lot of people listening will, will know that as well. You're doing it with Brad McNamara, uh, a New South Wales great, uh, a, a great cricket great as well. Uh, plenty of stories around the the 90s, maybe even the 80s as well, where Buzzard's sort of front and centre. You guys are in a rock and roll band together. Can you tell us a bit more about the podcast? Are you bringing in all the experience from, you know, all levels of the game plus nights at the Crowy with six and out? Uh, you know, like, how, how's the experience been so far? Well, I might, I, might, I might have to get you two on there as well at some stage, boys. Um, look, it's, it's been a lot of fun, actually. We've done about, um, I think, what, 18 episodes in. I know we haven't crossed the other 200 mark like you boys have, but... Um, it's been a lot of fun, and I guess the the sort of quality of, of guests that I've been very fortunate enough to have on, you know, from the Australian skipper to former Australian, you know, captains, um, you know, Alan Border to Mark Wall, um, Pat Cummins, as I mentioned, Pierce Morgan, who I terrorise ribs, <laughs> you know, we've had uh, Alyssa Healy as well, um, Ishigua. It's been a lot of fun, and it's it's been a great learning curve for me, not from a you know, like a media point of view, but just to understand how people work and to try to sort of get inside the mind of, of different players. And I actually wish, not a podcast sense, but I actually wish I asked a lot more questions whilst I was playing because, you know, you understand 
so much more of the game. I've learned so much since I've been commentating for Fox. I've learned so much since I've been doing this podcast. I've learned so many things that would have put me in a better position, I think, as a cricketer, if I would have asked more questions when I was playing rather than just focusing on what I was doing and, and trying to nick guys off. But, yeah, working with Buzz is great. Um, I asked him one day, I said, why do they call you Buzzard? He said, you send the fucking size of my hook nose? <laughs> <laughs> very good point. Um, Buzzard was a, a very, very good um, New South Wales first class cricketer. Played a lot of great cricket um, for St. George, and we had some wonderful battles against each other. But you know, I think working with Buzz, and you know, now that he's he's produced obviously um, you know a lot of cricket from Channel Nine now, and, and executive producer at Fox Sports, to understand the game from a production side, but also from you know, like a cricketing side as well, to have that, those hours and, you know, millions of um, throwdowns he's had in, in grey cricket. It's, uh, it's, it's made our job a lot easier and, you know, a lot of fun and, he, and he's quite raw. But, um, yeah, look, it's, it's going well. It's going really good. That's cool, man. Uh, Bingo, we'll let you go. We've taken more time than we said. Uh, it's sort of usually what we do. Apologise. But, um, mate, all, mate all, all the best with the Brett Lee podcast, all the media work you're doing. You're obviously still playing, going to Oman. I see you knocking over your son Preston uh, on Instagram as well, just sort of <laughs> yorking him at pace. Well, you know what happened there just quickly? I'll tell you quickly what happened. We're at my brother's place, uh, brother's house, Shane, in the front yard just before Christy, I think it was, having a couple of drinks, catching up prior to going back to work. And, um, you know, Preston said, let's have a game of cricket. So I'm out there with my younger brother, Grant, as well. Shane was filming. And I bounced Presto and he, he pumped me over the road for six, hit me on, on the, the neighbour's roof. And I thought, all right, I'm not, I'm not having that. So uh, I bowled, bowled a quick, um, what do I use the term, a holiday resort, Mallorca, and ripped uh, little peg and said, pack your bags. But this, this thing went viral. So Shane put it up on his Instagram. It went to Iceland. It went to Canada. It went over the States, I think, because of the Indian population. They obviously, uh, that's probably my biggest following. But um, I said to Preston, how are you feeling, mate, knowing that this has been played over and over again on Fox Sports and all that? He goes, well, Dad, I had my shirt off. The rig was looking okay, so I was happy. <laughs> 15, 15, boys. Jesus. Those DMs uh, are sliding in. They're sliding in the DMs, though. The rig's looking good. Yeah. Too fun. Uh, <laughs> Brett Lee, thanks so much for joining us, mate. Catch you, catch you next time. Absolute pleasure. Keep up the great work, boys. Catch up. Okay, we've got Australia's latest debutant, uh, you know, firm member of the Brotherhood of Leg Spin. He played in the series win in Pakistan uh, the last two tests. Mitch Swepson, I feel like calling you Swepo. I don't know if we just hear everyone else call you that. I don't know if, if you have to earn that title. I was calling you that on DMs. I might have overstepped the mark, but Swepo, welcome to the great cricketer. Thanks, mate. No, you, you haven't overstepped the mark at all. Swepo is fine. Everyone, everyone goes with Swepo, so stick with it. All right. Uh, well, mate, firstly, congrats on your debut. We're all waiting so long for it. I know it must have been even more so for you. Uh, it was so good to see you. Trappings for the eyes, something different for fans to see. Uh, you get a series win. Very stoked for you. Uh, I just want to, can you take us into the sheds after the series win? Just for the, just what's the optic, you know? We know there's no, there's no beers or alcohol in Pakistan, but when we think about Australians and series wins, uh, it's 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 connected to beer, you know, rightly or wrongly. Um, 
you know, why are there beers? Is uh, like we're not working for Pakistan here, like, or, or do you call it a quiet beer and then that's okay? How, how do you celebrate without beers? I guess. Yeah, that was um, that was that was tough because I like I've been uh, I guess in and out of Australian squads for the last five years and been lucky enough to be in a, a couple of winning series and um, yeah, pretty much as soon as you get off the field into that shed, it's you, you crack a coldie straight away and. Yeah, it was a bit different, especially they were kind of like dangling in our face with the size of the cup of the trophy that the Benedictine trophy was like. You could have fit like a carton worth of of skewies in there, and um, so it was it was like dangling the carrot. Like they gave us this massive cup to drink out of, but we weren't allowed alcohol in the shed. So um, it was a definitely it was a different vibe. Um, but it, we sort of we sort of packed up our stuff and got back to the hotel where. Um, the bull, uh, Davey Warner had arranged a, a few treats for us back here. So, uh, we, we eventually got there. So <laughs> we got there in the end. I like, I like using like international trophies, like you rank them based on how many beers you can get in, uh, into yeah. the cup, which is actually why the ashes <laughs> is so shit. Um, Swepo, I mean, I'm sure you, like, when did you discover leg spin in your life? Like, I'm sure you, you probably batted three for your school team and then you probably just like rolled out some leggies one day and you just turned out to be amazing. Is that how it worked out for you? Yeah, you're actually not far off. I like, I, I went to a, like a regional trial. I think it was like under 11s. Um, and I like rocked up to the trial, bowled some seam ups, had a hit and then, um, bowled like an over of leg spin, like just to throw everything at them, like show them I had everything. And, and uh, the coach came up and said, um, mate, can you bowl another over leg spin? You're the only spinner that's turned up at this trial. So I bowled another over leggies. Um, they picked me in the team and I literally haven't looked back. Like I just started bowling leggies from then on. So um, that's literally how I, how I sort of ran into it. I used to play like as a junior, I used to do the whole like bowl three balls of pace, three balls of spin and like just love trying everything out there. And yeah, when I got picked for a, for a rep team uh, as a, as I've just stuck with it. So that's just sort of how I fell into it. And, uh, mate, you, like, you, you don't strike me as a guy that, like, would have just, because you're a leg spinner, you have to go through, you know, have to jump through so many hurdles, go through so many obstacles. You're probably five steps forward, 10 steps back, just, you know, at all costs and all times. Like, so you've probably done a fair apprenticeship in grade cricket and spent plenty of time there. Like, what, like what's your relationship to the, um, to, to, well, to the competition that you'll now pretend not to know about because you, because you have a bank account? <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, it's tough like as a spinner oh like it yeah, i i sort of um i i debuted when i was 22 for for queensland so i basically out of the pathway stuff i sort of got thrown into the deep end of you know the the pit that is grade cricket and um yeah you're 100 percent right when you play grade cricket as a spinner especially in queensland like the wickets are always good there the great um you basically when you get brought on to bowl the bowl um and, and yeah i so i had two or three years of that some some dark times in there definitely but um yeah i guess <laughs> sitting here now i'm pretty glad i stuck with it um yeah it's it's um yeah it's it's great and it, i guess it's good character building as well as we all know great cricket great character building so yeah it was um it was good times Mate, grade cricket character building plus bowling leg spin, like the the and to come through it, that's like a degree of the highest degree of difficulty 
in fucking gymnastics or off the diving board, you know, like it could be character building or character destroying, man. Like uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just stoked you've come through. Yeah. Cheers. Mate. I appreciate that. It's like, I, I, I do feel bad sometimes for like for the guys, you know, you see guys have so much talent and uh, to be honest with you, I didn't really get my opportunity from um, taking bagfuls of wicket wickets and making guys look stupid in grade cricket. I, I was probably lucky enough that the, the Queensland setup let me come in and net bowl a lot. So I got in front of their faces there. And then also um, the academy, which is all the young players that are coming through in um, the Australian ranks, uh, the academies in Brisbane every year. So I had that to, to go in and net bowl at those guys. And I just got in front of the right people and was bowling well in the nets there. So I actually reckon I got more of my opportunities there. So um, yeah, specialist net bowler really um, <laughs> turned in. <laughs> So it's um yeah great great cricket it's a very tough place as a as a spinner and um yeah I I guess but like you said it's part of the story and it's part of building that that resilience I guess hang hang on hang on hang on I I, I was I was having a look at some stats Swepo uh for Sandgate Redcliffe your club 2008 don't come in here with your eyes oh, to ground it out 2018 you played the grand final against West you took six for eleven or five overs. Don't cut! Don't come in here and be like, oh, you know, I just got a bit lucky. Here. I bowled some yeah. good overs in the net. Played four, six played for threes. eleven in five overs in a grand final. Discuss. <laughs> How'd they come out? Uh, they weren't picking the wrong one. I reckon five wickets were big, dirty wrong ones that, yeah, I just kept bowling and they just kept kicking them. So, um, yeah, I was on a roll that day, but. Yeah, that was also at AP Oval, so it wasn't at the Gator Dome, which is like a 40-metre boundary each side. It was like a proper first-class venue, so that also helps. But, um, nice. yeah. yeah. <laughs> good day. Good day. They came out well. Well, well. Well, good I mean, you know, then, then you've, you've, you've finally cracked the big time in test cricket. You debuted a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, you've played two test matches, and they, they're big tests for Australia. Uh, and you look online and, you know, in the last sort of couple of years, a lot of experts online in areas like uh, immunology uh, for COVID, uh, you know, international security experts for Russia and uh, about the same number of specialists on leg spin uh, once you <laughs> debut. Just a couple of just pieces of advice here and there, just around sort of your pace. And I just want to know, like, just, yeah, like, like two questions. One, like how many people you know, kind of got through to you and told you to just give it a bit more air. Just, we just need a bit more up and down from you. And um, Spin two, up. yeah, just sort of, you got to get above the eye line. Cause I heard yeah. Shane Warne say that once with respect to the great man. Uh, but also seriously, so I do want to know like who is giving you advice, but also seriously, like, like how do you feel you bowled over there? Yeah. I, well, <laughs> that, that comment has been made from since I've been playing high level cricket. My, my old man is, Every time I talk to him about my bowling, he's literally like, "Oh, it came out well today, mate." But you reckon you could have thrown him up a bit more, like just get him drawing. <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah, I get it from him a lot. I get it from yeah everyone. Like it's it's just one of those things where for me, when I'm out in the middle, um, as long as I'm landing the ball, I'm I'm pretty happy. <laughs> and also, also in the case of playing my first test match, um, that's where I, I sort of, uh, I just wanted to land the first few balls and, and get into a spell and, 
um, worrying about pace and how much I'm putting on it and all of that sort of stuff would come. Um, so, I, yeah, I, <laughs> you're right. There's a lot of people that had opinions. I, I think I had to sort of switch my phone off after the first few days of playing and bowling and, um, you know, you got commentators, you know, random punters on online and everything. But for me, as long as I'm landing the ball, I'm pretty happy. Um, and yeah, that's that's sort of where my head was at in these first couple of games. Anyway, are you are you saying here on the grey cricketer that like your dad suggested you toss it up, like you know, just during Karachi and Lahore to Bubba Razan to Bubba? Yeah, yeah he, he he said, mate, get it above the eye line. So. <laughs> <laughs> that on a regular basis like he came and he came and watched play grade cricket before i came over here i played a game for sandgate not far back and i went over at, at lunch and hey mum dad how you going yeah good mate yeah just toss him up a bit more maybe though <laughs> like, straight up, straight up. <laughs> so it's, it's good though I, I like he's very invested in my bowling but yeah he's not the only one he's not the only yeah. one um I've only ever seen one spinner to actually like walk to the crease. And that was, that was the King. I mean, even like Yasser Shah is probably the most prodigious leg spinner in recent, in the modern era. He, he, he bounded to the wicket as well. And you walk, you walk into the crease as well. So I wonder how many, how many coaches and chiropractors have told you to actually run to the crease because you, like how much you snap, you, you're like the, the torque going through your body to get that energy yeah. is incredible. Yeah, well, I broke my neck doing it, so that that wasn't great. <laughs> yeah, you did too. But somehow I've managed, or I managed to give myself a stress fracture in my neck, so that that's probably got a bit to do with it. Um, but yeah, I think, I, like going back to Warney, I think it was probably the influence he had. Like when I when I first started bowling leg spin, like I was like, how how do you do this? You just like do it how Warney does it on TV, and like you see him walking up to the crease and mm. giving it a big rip when he gets to the to the crease, and it's just like that's just how I started bowling and that's just how it's always been for me. I've, I've always had the same action and um, yeah, like that's, I guess it's a credit to the influence he had on a young leg spinner like myself. So um, yeah, I, found, I guess I found a made a way to make it work to get to this point. Um, like I said, it, it cost me a couple of months of uh, rehab on my neck, but um, yeah, it's just, it's just the way I've bowled since I was a 14 year old, 13 year old leggy. You've had you've had to wait a fair while to make your debut, Swepo. Like, I, I, you know, we've seen you bowl long spells for Queensland. I'm sure you've done it at grade level as well when you're not just bowling wrong and they're kicking them in five overs. But like, you, you've sort of become quite adept in the last few years at bowling teams out in the uh, in the fourth inning, especially for Queensland, where it looks like you guys have a lot of fun. You've had a lot of success together, and you've, you've been pretty much the main man there. Uh, you come in to bowl against Pakistan. I'm just going to get get your sense having finally got out to the middle and experienced it, like you're bowling sort of hard spun leg breaks, you're challenging the stumps, um, but their batsmen just give you nothing. Uh, look, at, at what point are you thinking, you know, can someone please make a fucking mistake or just play a mm. poor shot like they do at home and just jag me something, you know, it just, it just seemed like that, that were, you know, I guess I'm asking like, what's it like to bowl to guys who are just so good at playing spin? Yeah. It's um it, it is very demoralising. I think um it almost gets to a point where you're just like uh, like I'm just happy not getting hit for a boundary. Like mm. <laughs> you start to draw on okay, it doesn't look like I'm any chance of taking a wicket here, so let's just try and not get absolutely smacked around the park. Um, try and at least play a role for the team where you're building some sort of pressure. Um, 
just doing something because yeah, you're right. There was periods there where, especially I think when Baba and and Rizwan were going in that in that my debut test in Karachi, like they were just so locked in, um, so so hard to bowl to, and um, you just you just need to find I guess something to try and try and stop them. Like I came around the wicket a couple of times, bowled bowled at their legs. People say it's defensive, but bloody hell, I tried bloody everything else. So. Um, yeah, what else? What else was I going to try? And uh, you know, yeah, it's just just part of the game, and that, it should be tough. It's Test cricket. It's got to it's got to be it's got to be the uh, the challenge that is Test cricket, and um, uh, that's what I love about leg spin bowling is that um, yeah, it's it's fighting through those challenges and trying to come up with ways to get blokes out and going into your bag of tricks. And so yeah, it's, it, it was it was tough, but it was good fun. I'm sure you must have also been like lads. Can someone fucking catch one? <laughs> <laughs> Any danger? <laughs> so, uh, just on, just on. on that Swepo, like, like you know, to that point, your, your friend and Queensland captain Usman Kawaja, uh, I'll just say his full name, even though everyone knows who he is on the show. Like, he dropped a pretty important catch, uh, just under the lid. Uh, I'm just checking my notes here at uh, extra cover. Yeah. Uh, but but he's he's your captain and he's your senior, and he's scored runs in the series. So social hierarchies dictate like he doesn't actually say sorry or even address that to you. Like, like how did he approach the that embarrassing episode? Uh, he was he was pretty flat. Um, I think he yeah he he told me he definitely regretted keeping the helmet on. Uh, I think that was <laughs> but he did. There were some reports coming out as to why he was wearing his helmet still, but he said yeah the helmet got me a bit. Um, he was flat. Like no like everyone hates dropping a catch as as many runs as that man scored and. As high as he was um, on his high horse, there he, he still felt flat after that. Um, the funny thing was, I I had two drop catches in in a row. Uh, they mm. were tough catches, short leg and silly point there, Hetty and Manus, and they two consecutive balls against Barber and um, Camo came over to me after the second one got dropped, and he he threw me the ball and he said, "Right, mate, hat trick ball. How do you want to play this one out?" And <laughs> uh, I thought he'd done well there because I was feeling so shit after that, and it just kind of got me back up. So that was good from him. Good banner. What's he? What, what? I mean, anything else from Cummins there? I mean, he's being lauded now. Uh, you know, there's the declaration thing in the in the last game. You know, were you guys in on that? Was there any debate in the change rooms? And and can you just generally? Give us a, a sense of, of what it's like playing under Cummins and, and even just playing under a bowling captain. Yeah, well, on the declaration front, um, there's always conversations going on between between players. Um, but at the end of the day, senior players and the coach really run that, drive that. And at the end of the day, you get sort of told, right, oh, boys, we're pulling the pin now. And that's what's happening. So, um, yeah, Cummo, I, I found... I found Great, great captain. I, I, I really loved being a part of, um, I guess, the vibe he's created in that test team. It's, it's a really relaxed team at the moment. Um, you know, there's not, not a lot of panic going on. It would have been easy to panic at any stage during this series. We had, you know, opportunities to win games that we didn't quite grab and things could have gone to shit. And um, I think he kept the group pretty calm throughout the whole thing. And particularly me, you know, I had a, a heap of nerves on debut and um, he really eased that, that for me. And um, yeah, I think he's, I think he's building something pretty special as a skipper. And um, I mean, he's good at everything. Like it's just, that's Pat Cummins. So 
um, everything he touches turns to gold. So uh, I think we're in good hands with him him steering the ship. I notice uh, it's like in this this new era of of, um, of of cricketers that have actually gone to university. So because I mean Pat's obviously done a uni you need degree and you've you've actually after him there with a double degree i'm actually not sure if you finished it but you, you were doing exercise and sports science and business management i'm telling you what you did um um how, how's that going did you finish it yeah dusted it yeah took me took me nine and a half years five years for both degrees was supposed to what what was supposed to happen but yeah it took me nine and a half but I've, I've finished both of them i did i did four years full time while i was like i said in the wilderness of grade cricket before i picked up a, a contract um, so that helped, and then the last year of it took me took me another six years to do or something. So, yeah, it's it's nice to have that under the belt because a lot of the boys now they're actually studying while we're over here, and couldn't think of anything worse to be to be fair. I I do like that you've now referred to grade cricket as both the wilderness and a pit. Uh, but um, uh, this is true. You get a baggy green, you can say what you want. You know. Hey, I just just uh, we'll let we'll let you go because I know you got to get to training. But um, you 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 took one of the the catches that mattered uh, as the wind neared there in Lahore. I think it was at Shaheen uh, left hand, and uh, you turn around and you you gesture playfully to the crowd. Uh, you know what was the what was the background to that? I, like. Every every comment about the time over in Pakistan is that it's just been played in a wonderful spirit, and it, and I'm sure it has, you know, but it doesn't really serve the purposes of this podcast. You know, what I want to know is, were they giving it to you? <laughs> well, it's like I actually I said to the guys after I did it, I was like, I actually don't know what overcome me. Like I ne- I never in my my mind was like I'm going to do the Shaheen Afridi if I catch him on the boundary. Like I, yeah, I yeah. never myself, but they had the replay screens playing like. So obviously you saw Uzi do the Saji, the Saji Khan yeah. one. Um, Bull's done the the Hassan Ali. Like those guys, when they when they get us out, they just like obviously you know it's coming. You hear it in your ear when you walk it off. You hear them doing the celebration behind you, and I'd they they've been playing those on the big screen. So I think maybe just that, like I just caught the ball and I was just I just did it, and the boys absolutely loved it. They thought it was hilarious. And then after that, they were playing like the montage of all of our mimicking of the celebrations on the big screen. And um, yeah, it was, it was just, it was just a bit of fun. We were like, no, no way are we just like taking the piss out of them or anything. We were just sort of just doing it as a bit of fun. And there's been, like you said, it's been played in very good spirit, the the series and um, a few of the boys, you know, chat, chatting to some of their players after the game. And so it's no love lost, but, um, yeah, not not looking forward to facing Shaheen Afridi anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you what's 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 Sha, Can you just run us through Shaheen Afridi generally? Like it's hard. Like he looks like you know there's a bit going on. You know, in a good way. Like he's obviously massive. He's got a, a very like uh, prodigious jaw on him. Uh, he bowls wheels. He's got a great smile, but like it, it's hard to know. Like, he, is he a villain or is he a fr- is he a friendly giant? What are we looking at with Shaheen? Is he a mate of the boys? Yeah, well, he was—he's quite—he was being quite friendly with Marnus, but I think that's because he's gotten him out like five times or something. So that's why he's pretty friendly with him. Um, no, he—he he seems like a just a guy that loves his cricket. Um, he seems as a bowler, it was pretty impressive to see, him, particularly that Karachi game where we batted for two days straight to just charge in, bowl 140 clicks, not like never, never wavered. Um, just a serious athlete um, and, and at the top of his game at the moment. Um, so 
yeah, he's going he's to be a formidable foe, I guess, for, for Australian cricket over the next few years. He's still young. so But, yeah, he seems seems like he just loves his game and um, the celebration is just part of who he is. And, um, yeah, the boys the boys got around him. So, um, like I said, played in good spirit. And, um, but, yeah, still still not looking forward to that first time I have to face him after that. It's not happy. Marnus actually said that he spoke to him after and he said, uh, he said, tell Swepson, don't worry about bouncer, Beamer. Beamer next time. Beamer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Jesus. Oh, yeah, well, good. At, least you think, good. at least he thinks you're going to play more international cricket, which has got to be handy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> like, cool, I'm going to play him again. That's nice. <laughs> hey, uh, Swepo, thanks so much, mate. Really appreciate it. Let you get off the training. And, uh, mate, well done on the debut, on the series win. Looking forward to seeing you next time uh, in Sri Lanka for some more brotherhood stuff and some more advice, you know, from people like us and, uh, in the public about how to bowl uh, the most difficult art uh, in sport. Cheers, legends. Thanks for, thanks for having me. It's been good fun. Thank you very much to both of our guests uh, for joining us. Now, we still have not spoken to Mitchell Swimson, even though we're coming out the other side of this break. But you know what? That's just the magic of recording. Um, we need to thank and take a moment here, actually. Just take a moment in our week here just to think about, just to think about our penises. Huh? Take a moment to think about our penises <laughs> and the presentation thereof. Now, where are we, Pez, vis-a-vis presentation of thy penis? Uh, I'm due, actually. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm due. Okay. Yeah, so I, okay. don't have a, I don't have a recent scaping story, but I, I don't I – da- I've scaped so many times via Manscaped yeah. Yeah. that I don't think, like, it's now – a you know, discreet or bespoke or like remarked upon activity. Like it's just what I do. I I use it. I I present myself, you know, in a superior way to to that which I was prior to escaping. Do you know why, mate? Because you you are a caring partner and you're looking after yourself. You're looking after your self-esteem. You're looking after your mental health as well. And you're looking after your partner's health. Don't pretend to know what my partner's proclivities are in any way, particularly as it relates to my genitals. But yes, yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think people have listened many times to this show, Pez, and they've, um, well, you're, you're really hoping no one you know listens to that this week. Oh, um, fuck it. Too far gone. Uh, um, pe- people, people have tuned into this show enough to know what, what manscaping is about, how we use it, how it's good. Not much, I mean, actually, now we do get a bit of a feedback being like, yeah, this actually is a game changer. People have sent into the DMs and to the emails before, but what are we mm. talking about this week? We've, we've, we've spoken about ball wipes. We've yeah. spoken about it's scent. It's premium collection, mate. I, and, I, and I have actually, like, I unboxed my premium collection recently and I've got it I've got it rolling. Like, did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I did. And, uh, I don't even know what that means. The shampoo, uh, uh, the signature scent is what we're talking about. And it's a pr- like my wife yeah, approves yeah. of the signature scent. The signature that's scent right, is actually right, right. like has a, has a bit of class to it. It does. It, it's it's not what I expected. It's not Lynx Java with respect to Lynx Java and the role that it played in you know, high school cor- corridors in the in the late nineties. But uh, mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not that you might think it would be because it's manscaped, but it's it's not. It's it's nice. It's good gear. The body wash is good. It's actually my preferred body wash. I have a few different options in the shower again because multiple people use the shower, uh, and and I'm and I'm reaching for the manscaped body wash. Uh, the the shampoo it's a sh- it's a two in one shampoo conditioner so we're just talking about accoutrements trappings accessories to go with the lawnmower 4.0 which is the actual um, machine that uh, slices and dices and 
shaves your pubic hair. Well, it hair. doesn't dice. It doesn't dice. It slices. No dice. What would it mean what to you- dice? What it mean to dice pubic hair? Well, when I'm thinking like that, I'm thinking like I'm thinking nicks and cuts now. Yeah, which is slice a and dice from the is a, early two yeah. thousands. Yeah, it's not a really appealing kind of uh, like action, is it? You want this thing to slice and dice your pubes? Not really. <laughs> get that the fuck away from me. Mm. Where can we get it? Manscaped.com. Use code TJC uh, at checkout. You're going to get 20% off plus free shipping. Come on. Do yourself a favor. Hashtag RCJC. Bruce wrote in, Pez. And he said, boys. I'll cut to the chase here. I've been fascinated with the products on offer from our friends at Manscaped ever since you've started talking about them on your show. My favorite product of theirs in particular is the Crop Preserver, ball deodorant. My morning routine has never involved as much care and attention to my boys as it does now, whilst the rest of my body has started to deteriorate to such an extent that a day in the sun playing cricket sends phantom pains to my knees and leaves me riddled with anxiety. My body hair has never been so trimmed, good-looking and smelling fresh. I'm not bragging, but you should see my dick. Ooh. <laughs> this is not a manscaped ad, by the way. It just This is just... No, this is, Bruce just wrote in. Yep. I recently got back from an ill-fated family holiday, Bruce continues. In attendance were my father, stepmother, and grandparents. Now, I'm not about to compare sitting around the pool with the multi-generation versions of myself to sharing a shower room with men of similar ages in the Sunday village side I occasionally play for, but the similarities are that for a vast majority of the time that fellas have their tops off. I can't help but feel about my rig. Feel better. Sorry, I can't help but feel better about my rig when compared to the other men around me, but also a sneaking sense of dread that this is what I may have to look forward to in my 50s and 70s. Now, for the entire holiday, I've been manscaping every morning, making sure my boys look and feel great, despite the chances of them being viewed by anyone being nil. So, despite being a, according to the internet, severely overweight, hairy, beta male, I know that down below, my junk is sitting there cool as anything and giving me the confidence to walk around without my top on, despite my resemblance to Shrek. Honestly, you should see my dick. The fuck? I've already got three questions. (laughs) Now, I've always been known as the hairy one by my friends and family, often compared to a Wookiee or some kind of large monkey. (laughs) Ever since puberty, then, I've always thought about trimming back some of the hair on my chest, back and balls to fit in with the crowd. A little better. However, it's only since I've started my Manscaped journey that I have the confidence to do just that. We sat by the pool one day and someone mentioned something like me doing an excellent impression of Chewbacca sat by a pool. I laugh it off and make a mental note to have another hack at the chest region when I get back, when I get the chance. I mentioned to my father that I do in fact trim my beard and my chest and my back and this is the result. He goes on to say he's glad I do because he can't imagine what I would resemble otherwise. My brain formulates a sentence for me to say in response... Maybe it was the five beers I'd put away before lunchtime. Maybe it was the heat. Maybe it was something to do with the, with the man sat across from me having not bothered to see me play cricket for 10 years, but the pressure had built up. I couldn't help myself. I couldn't stop myself. He called, he called me an orangutan. I responded, you should see my dick. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's doing here, Bruce? Audible gasps from my stepmother, who looks likely to vomit into the nearest coconut, a glare of ice and fire from my grandmother sat across from me by the pool, a look of sheer disappointment from my grandpa. I look at my dad, 
father, dare I say friend, <laughs> is clearly computing something. Maybe he's thinking back to all those times he couldn't make time to see me post a steady 20-odd 17 or take a bag of wickets to 50-odd 8. Maybe he's considering the best way to move on with the conversation or maybe he's, or maybe, just maybe, he's thinking, crikey, maybe I need to invest more time into my personal grooming routine. Either way, our relationship is forever changed. For the good, for the worse, who can say? We have returned from the holiday now and rather conveniently are required by COVID rules to quarantine for 10 days so there's no chance of seeing him again until late next week at the earliest. I require your expert views on this. What does this all mean? Was it a predictably beaten move or somehow alpha to say this to my father surrounded by loved ones? Can I ever look my dad in the eye again? Now this event stands between us. <clears throat> His full name's Bruce Bogstandard. Uh, so thanks, Bruce for that uh i mean just to, just to yeah. clarify early like is sure. bruce is bruce saying <clears throat> is bruce saying he's kind of comfortable with his rig because he's comfortable with the size of his penis or just the coolness of his penis after using manscaped even though he's like he as he himself well, he doesn't mention size he just i think he he think he feels he like he's feels looking good. after that part of his the man's yeah anatomy. manscaped gives him gives him confidence in spite of evidence otherwise. That's good. I think that's good. Sure. Um, and you should see my you should see my dick. It's, that's his comeback to his dad. I guess it's just that scenario where you like it's it's the confluence of like and the the, un, the awkward confluence of like the father son relationship or the father child relationship with the father adult relationship. You know, and it's it's a crossover. I still remember being in the pub once with my dad and uncles and some friends and I was in my early 20s, very early right. 20s. I still think about this. And I was regaling the group about a sex story involving me. Right. And I, I, st I, and I remember my father being visibly awkward at being part yeah. of that. I, I had clearly yeah. misjudged... <laughs> I'd clearly misjudged the appropriateness of that. I didn't show that at the time, yeah. but I, I still think about it. I still think about, I, I, it wasn't anything like, you know, particularly vulgar. It was just like, it was just that I was talking about things that my dad didn't want to hear about. And he wasn't, he yeah. just wasn't there. That's just not where he wanted to be. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one because he, he, he sort of wants to be, he kind of wants to, he wants to be bantering with his dad, doesn't he? He wants to be, he wants to be mates. Yeah. He's trying to yeah, he wants mates to be mates. Thing. And I think he's also slipped into it. Like in that store, in that question, he wrote three or four times, you should see my dick. Seriously, you should. So like, and he's talking to us. So like, and mm. of course we're all friends. Yeah. yeah. Um, in his brain. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're friends with him. So like, friends. so, um, so then he sort of like just slips into a bit of banter gear with his dad, thinking like, "Oh, we're all adults here now. I'm a young person." Like, do you remember like ever having like a beer as an eighteen year old with your dad for the first time, or like in your family? It's like mm. they still see you as a child because mm. you are. Yes. And the same way that like, like, it, like if you if you're twenty three and you go to the same bar that like eighteen year olds are frequenting, you're upset that the eighteen year olds are there. It's like too young. They're too young. Yeah. They're too yep. young. So that your relationship with like your ch I don't have any children, but I can only imagine like the 
relationship that you have when you see these people raise up into adulthood, they will always still be the little the little human. They, mm. You're not supposed to know anything about drugs, alcohol, sexuality, any of these life experiences. Um, so I think he's he he was he would he would have been rocked. He would have been rocked yeah. when his spawn said to him, "You should see my dick." Oh, and uh, particularly... It's kind of fucked me up too. He's tried to one-up his father with cock stuff in front of his grandparents. <laughs> it's a tale as old as time. A tale as old as time, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bruce. I, I cannot say we've all been there, brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not for me. Not for me. Not yet. Mm. Uh, it's a, you know... Fathers though, fathers have to uh, uh, work this through my head. As like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's fathers and sons have to negotiate bit of cock stuff. You know, coming through like it's it's up to the father to um, normalize and and create safety and security around that stuff. Like oh, only this morning, I, I I went to do a wee. I don't care if anyone's you know made awkward by that it's what happens in families you i, I went to the toilet went to the bathroom to do a that wee. Was families just you know some people can be prudish about this stuff i'm just telling you it happens okay. Okay. We're, we're, okay. we're we're in our family a three-year-old and one-year-old we're doors open with 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 weeing and uh sure. no problem and my one-year-old came in to he was curious first time for him like uh, uh probably right. like because he's got nappies, right? And and he he was watching. He was just what. Look at you. I'm just <laughs> let the boy watch. And I was like, oh no, this is a moment, you know. Like I I, I I'm just and I was explaining to him. I'm I'm just doing a, I'm just doing a wee. This is how Dada does a wee, you know. Yep. And it start it starts from there. Like I remember as yeah. a as a child. Inquiring with my dad, you know, I saw him yeah. in the shower and I think I asked him about penis size. He said, as long as it works, mate, you know, I think I've said that before. And like, yeah, that's just, a, yeah, that, that's neither that, he, I, I'm not saying that whether that advice is good or, or bad, but it's, you know, it's just, that was, it's just how fathers and sons negotiate the, the, the penis stuff, you know, and maybe that, maybe his comment where he's Shrek mm. and also, an, and his father calls him an orangutan. You know, maybe his dad didn't normalize stuff around cock stuff growing up. So all he had in his head was like, you got to see him a cock dad, you know? Yeah. Maybe he's, maybe, maybe Bruce is an exhibitionist. You got to factor that in too. Um, grandmother, watching, grandmother glaring at him stuff. like fire and ice. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it just, it took me back to a memory there of like, you, you know, when you're young and you shower with your dad and like just the yep. height that you are just, you just, that's eye level. Yeah, and every, yeah. Like, that's that, I think that's where like dad dick stuff like the the the, the phrase like comes from because everything is you know like every, everything is bigger like when you when you're in your seven the year twelves look like adults yeah and it's the same thing with your dad's dad penis dick. in the shower mate yeah it just looks it is I, I just it's a dad yeah. dick you actually you, you you don't wonder actually what the size actually was as you're older or how he would have gone in the <laughs> you tubs. really don't you don't you do really that. don't nah you don't <laughs> you don't because it's always you, you don't because it's always going to be a dad dick. But in my mind, it's like it was just the biggest and the best because I want my dad. To- 
<laughs> you can say that, you know, at your dad's eulogy one day. Yeah. Dad, yours was always the biggest and the best. You had a dad. How was the peace on it? Honestly, Dad, how was the peace on it's it? One, Unbelievable. It's made, i got to say, it's one reason for having kids. Like, it's not just cock stuff, but your, your mitts look big, you know, like just holding yeah, a little yeah. baby. Like, you can, you, you can do some dad stuff, real dad yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's like, yeah. When, when my when my siblings have had kids and just like you know when they're brand when, when the kids are brand when new, brand like new put, yeah straight out of the packet yeah with, straight out of- <laughs> 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 but you know you put like you put like their little hand in like the palm of yours and just like and then at that moment you're like oh, I could pro- probably film the grippers with these <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your sister's looking at you thinking, like, what a wonderful moment for my brother, just holding my child in the yeah. palm of his hand. He's just going, oh, fucking, how about the mitts on it? Like, absolute buckets here. <laughs> so I've got some buckets on me, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got there. We kind of missed a squiggle that one, but that was all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took a while. <laughs> we got there in the end. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks to Brett Lee. Thank you to Mitchell Swepson. Thank you to all the people out there across the world uh, for listening and watching this shit. Uh, we'll see you guys next week or every other day this week on the internet, uh, depending what your need is for TJC content. And that need should be a lot. See you guys later.